Having car problems? Well, with Rhoda, getting them fixed is as easy as ordering takeout. They'll come pick up your car for free, do any repair or maintenance needed, and return it right to your driveway. They'll even give you a complimentary video inspection of your car so you can see what needs to be done. Perfect for those of us that maybe aren't so car savvy. Book your appointment online at roda.com. And lucky for you, CityCast listeners get a 20% discount on any service for up to $100 off. Just use the code CityCast20. Today on CityCast DC, a bunch of new environmental proposals in DC could change the way you drive, the way you bike, and even the way you cook. Jacob Fenston from WAMU is here to give us the lay of the land. Today is Thursday, February 8th. I'm Michael Schaefer, and here's what DC is talking about. Hey, Jacob. Hi, Mike. So there's a bunch of big environmental regs or laws that uh, the city is pondering that are coming down the pike. Will you explain some of them? Well, some of this kind of stems from the Federal Inflation Reduction Act. So, you know, there's a whole bunch of money coming from the federal government. Also, the um, bipartisan infrastructure law. There's just all this money flowing from the federal government to states and the District of Columbia. And we're kind of looking for ways to spend that to, you know, help cut carbon emissions, help transition to clean energy. So that's part of the puzzle. Um, So there's some local legislation that would use some of that money. And then there's just also kind of some other regulations specifically around like vehicle emissions that is interesting and and putting us on a path toward much cleaner transportation. All right, let's break this down. Uh, One of them is rebates if you buy an e-bike. Tell me about that, how much you get, where the money comes from. I know, I'm I'm kind of thinking of myself, if I can come up with an excuse for needing to buy an e-bike. But yes, that is legislation that was passed in DC last fall, officially became law in November, and it'll provide very generous rebates for buying an electric cargo bike or an electric bike. And it's you know much more generous if you're a lower income, but also can be available for anyone who's a DC resident. The e-bike rebates, you can get a $2,000 voucher to buy an electric cargo bike or um, $1,500 voucher to buy just a regular e-bike if you're lower income. Other residents can get a $1,000 voucher or uh, $750 to buy just a regular e-bike. And so the way that works is they're going to open up sort of an application period this spring, spring of 2024. And people who qualify are, will get a voucher, and then you can take that to a bike store, and they'll take that off the sticker price of the new bike. So it's not just like I go to a bike store now, and then I send the receipt into City Hall. Right. <laughs> uh, you have to wait, and, and this application process is not opened up yet? That's correct. Yeah. So if you Google it, you'll find sort of the, hmm. the DC website that'll tell you how to find out more about it. And you can email them to get updates. But yeah, it's, I think they designed it this way that you have to get the approval ahead of time so that they can make it so that you don't have to put out the money and then get the money back from the government. What do they have to approve? I, mean, do they have to prove I'm a DC resident? Is that You have to prove you're a DC resident and then they've budgeted $500,000 for the program 
which is a lot of bikes, but they want to put half of that funding at least toward buying e-bikes for low-income residents. So I, I think they want to look at the applicants and try to get that ratio right before, you know, saying just anyone can go out and get one. Wait, wait, wait sorry, I, I I'm, I'm confused. <laughs> How do they make that happen if anybody can apply? I don't know. I mean, I think that it'll depend on how many people apply and how much funding there is in any given year. So in theory, they could turn some people down if they're not in the right um, economic bracket? I think in theory, they could turn people down if there's more demand than there is funding or if, yeah, if there's not, if that ratio is off. That sounds awfully complicated. It's a little bit complicated. Yeah. Unfortunately, I would like something that's just like anyone can qualify, just go and buy the bike and then you'll get your money back. But this is how they chose to do it. I think trying to emphasize that equity aspect. So this other thing you mentioned is a law, it's not using money from the Inflation Reduction Act, which is that in 2035, make sure I understand this, you won't be able to register a car anymore, a new car that is, unless it is hybrid or electric. Right. No more, no more gas cars. That's right. Uh, starting in 2035, D.C., Maryland, and Virginia have all adopted these new clean car vehicle emission standards that will be all zero emission vehicles on new models starting that year. So that's like 11 years from now, and it's pretty revolutionary. Do we have a sense of what's the number now in terms of what percentage of the D.C. registered cars are zero emission? It's pretty tiny. I think there's 5,000 uh, roughly registered electric vehicles in the district. Personally, I feel like I see them just more and more and more every year. More and more, <laughs> you know, uh, extension cords coming out of people's houses charging these things. So I feel like it is ramping up pretty quickly. But yeah, that is a very aggressive goal to get from where we are now. Maryland and Virginia have already passed this, yes. and they are also 2035 as their year. Mm -hmm. So it's a very kind of weird system that we have in the United States of vehicle emission standards. There's kind of like a two-tiered system, and it has to do with how vehicle emission standards got started in the United States to begin with. California was the pioneer. They pioneered car-dependent suburban development, and they pioneered air pollution and smog produced by cars, and they also pioneered vehicle emission standards. So in 1966, they passed the first in the nation emission standards, and that sort of spurred the federal government to take action, which they did very shortly after that. But they said, California, you, you started this, you can keep your standards, we'll grandfather you in. And then the federal government also said, you know, other states with bad air pollution problems can also follow California if they want to and adopt California's more stringent emission standards. And so that's continued on. And so California has has these new zero emission vehicle standards. And that's what states, including D.C., Maryland and Virginia, are, are now choosing to follow. When was the last time you went to the theater? Well, we have a new show for you to check out. The Gala Theater in Columbia Heights is showing the political musical comedy Museum in the Closet, Avida's Return, which follows Argentine icon Eva Perón to the afterlife as her preserved corpse ignites political scandals, clandestine affairs, and mysterious murders. The show is full of samba, reggae, and tango that will have you tapping your feet nonstop. The show is in Spanish with English surtitles and will run from May 9th through June 9th. Get your tickets now at galatheater.org or call 
So let me ask a couple like wonky questions about this. Driving around DC, you see a lot of cars with like federal government tags, Homeland Security, that sort of thing. Are those cars covered by this? Are those cars formally registered in DC? My understanding is the federal vehicle fleets like that would follow the emission standards of the states that they are in. So I, I think so. And if I've got like a regular car and I decide in like 2036 that I want to sell it and get me one of these new cars, will anyone be able to buy it? Like, is this rule going to apply to used cars too? No, it'll it'll just apply to new new models. So you can keep your gas car if you want. You can sell it to someone else, but new cars will be zero emission. So I'm curious about the implementation on this too. You see more and more like extension cords coming out of houses and and in the occasional downtown parking lot, there'll be like a charging station and stuff. And I am curious about whether this infrastructure is up to a situation where there's a critical mass of people, less on like a regular day than on like holiday weekend and everyone's driving to Ocean City and it's there's a long enough line when it's like the five minutes or four minutes it takes to pump uh, gas. Is there a plan for that kind of build out? Do people think, do people assume the market will take care of it because there'll be customers? Um, I mean, yes, all of the above. Uh, I, there are some plans, and I think that the demand will start to change things. Um, have you? I'm curious. Have you driven an EV before, Mike? I have. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I had not until pretty recently. I had the chance to rent one and had you know firsthand this experience of like, oh, how do you find a charging station? Like, oh, there's all these different types of chargers, and it's very clear that it's like at an early stage in a new technology. Um, it's hard to see it, how it's going to scale up so quickly that it's, that it's kind of universal, but I think there's a lot of momentum behind it. On one side, you know, at some point in history, a lot of people started buying cars right. and an infrastructure of gas stations yeah. popped up. I don't think the, the government didn't need to build them. They just happened because the market, uh, you know, worked its magic. On the other hand, the government is pushing hard to get people into electric vehicles. So what is it doing to help bring that infrastructure along? Right. Well, um, again, the, you know, the Inflation Reduction Act has billions of dollars to help build out this EV charging network of public chargers. Locally, there's legislation in the D.C. Council that is moving along that would aim to increase the number of public chargers by like 20 fold. So going from about 250 such uh, public chargers in the city now to 7,500 in just like three or four years. So that would be a huge improvement for people who are driving EVs. And it's complicated in an urban jurisdiction, right? Like I guess DDOT now allows people to run a charger cord over the sidewalk as long as you have it like covered by a little ramp so that people don't trip over it. But like a lot of people live in old houses, old apartment buildings that don't have a garage where you can easily put in your own charger that may not have any dedicated parking. So it's like kind of, I think, a complicated puzzle in the district and some of the kind of closer in suburbs. So one other piece of legislation that has been pondered and is a weirdly hot culture war issue is this uh, question of gas stoves, which some people say are bad. What is going on with that? Yeah, I mean, so gas stoves, like, it is a weird culture culture war issue. But yeah, I mean, the more you kind of read about the indoor air quality, the links to asthma, it's, it's not just a climate issue, which of course, you know, gas stoves burn methane and emit carbon like other gas appliances, but they also do it 
in the place where you are living and often there's no ventilation at all. So I think the health concerns are real, especially if you've got kids or people with sensitive lungs or asthma. There is legislation in DC that would, it's called the Healthy Homes Act. And so that would, again, use money from the Inflation Reduction Act, and it would aim to help um, particularly low-income and moderate-income residents do sort of like a whole home retrofit and replace all their gas appliances with new electric, high-efficient appliances, including replacing gas stoves with electric or induction stoves. But this has become like a thing on the far right where it's like, they're coming to take my gas stove and I won't let them. (laughs) Is there talk of actually forbidding gas stoves or is it just about helping people switch to this uh, healthier alternative? I mean, I don't think there's realistic talk of forbidding gas stoves, like they're going to come and take it out of your house, kind of forbidding. My cold, dead hands. (laughs) My cold, very hot hands. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Uh, But DC's building codes are going to, I think in 2026, new buildings aren't going to be allowed to combust fossil fuels in, in the building, meaning you can't have a gas stove in a new building. So these, they are getting phased out in the district and elsewhere. I'm curious what uh, proponents and detractors say about these various things. I mean, as you sort of alluded to, I think there are a lot of people who feel like they should be able to choose what they want to drive, whether it's you know a gasoline-powered car that emits more carbon or a cleaner electric vehicle. They want to be able to choose what they cook on, choose how they heat their hot water, all these things. You know, on the other hand, climate change is very real. And I think we, we're feeling the effects of that, seeing the effects of that. This summer was with all the smoke and the wildfires in Canada, the record heat of 2023. Like there's a lot of real serious kind of wake up calls and warning signs that I think make it seem pretty urgent that we do these things to lower our emissions and and ultimately stop using fossil fuels. So, I mean, I guess I would say like for the people who are talking about freedom to, to, you know, burn fossil fuels, if you want to, it's also like other people's freedom to breathe clean air, other people's freedom to, you know, live on a planet with a climate that humans can handle. So, and I'm curious if this sort of, you know, I'm not going to let them take my gas stove thing. Insofar as as any of these measures you've talked about have required a vote in the D.C. Council, is there anybody who's actually a elected representative who is channeling that uh, view, or is it just something you got to get on cable TV? I think in the district, it's, you know, pretty liberal uh, <laughs> liberal lawmakers. Even the more uh, more moderate ones are, are, are pretty liberal, and I don't think the, I don't think that view has been very prominent of trying to protect the gas stove users' right to to burn fossil fuels. One place I could imagine it being prominent is in the Congress. There's been talk of forbidding the city from banning right turns on red. There's been talk of all of this sort of transportation policy as culture war stuff. We're going to stop the war on cars, they say. And this would either mean overturning duly passed legislation or using the budget process to say, like, we won't approve your budget unless you get rid of X, Y, and Z regulations. What's the odds of that happening? I mean, I could easily imagine, I guess, some backbencher just trying to make a name for himself by deciding he's going to be the champion of gas stoves in at the nation's capital. I mean, yeah, you, I feel like sometimes you never know what, <laughs> what someone in Congress is going to latch on to, like the right turn on red thing or the automated traffic enforcement. A little surprising that that's what 
members of Congress want to spend their time on. And so maybe there is someone who wants to get in on, on the gas stove situation also. I mean, I think with the things we've talked about, like the e-bike rebate, that passed through the congressional 30-day review period where Congress could have disapproved of it if they'd wanted to. They did not. The clean car emission standards, that happened through regulation. So there was Congress didn't have the opportunity to just disapprove of it. And I don't know that they could do anything with a budget writer with that. So I, I, I think that in some ways, these are things that there haven't been easy opportunities for Congress to you know, easily meddle in. And then I think in some other ways, they just have been kind of flown under the radar, like maybe making it cheaper for people to buy bikes isn't the red meat sort of <laughs> issue that you can take to your conservative voters back home. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know why it hasn't, um, why these things haven't been uh, attacked very much yet that I know of in Congress. Is there anything else coming down the pike that we should be on the lookout for? Well, I was going to say, you know, in, in terms of the culture war stuff, Virginia is interesting in this regard. Virginia passed a law in 2021, you know, led by Democrats that requires the state to follow California's emission standards. And Republicans don't like that. Glenn Youngkin doesn't like that. So they've been trying to repeal that including just this month, um, there were three bills in the Senate that Democrats defeated ultimately, but that you know, Republicans are trying to repeal Virginia's participation in those cleaner car emission standards. So that's, that's still going on in Virginia. That debate is still very much happening. Jacob, thank you for being here, man. Yeah, thank you. That is all for today here on CityCast DC. If you enjoyed the show, why not tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye.